Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, we have survived all the craziness across the nation, across the world. I know it's been a long, long time since we have last podcasted. Uh, I want to say it was either late February or early March um, but we are back here, and uh, we got some big news in the GHSA, so we need to get to it. Indeed, it's good to kind of get back in the zone. Maybe contrary to popular beliefs, we are still alive and kicking it. Um, yeah, hopefully everyone else out there, our listeners, have been staying safe through the pandemic and everything else that's been going on. And we'll have some ba- some basketball to talk about um, in this upcoming 2020 and 20, 2021 season. But we do have some big news that could affect at least some of those games. Kyle, what did the GHSA decide today? The GHSA, as of, what are we in? We're in June right now, June 23rd, 2020, a date that will live in infamy. The shot clock is coming to the GHSA, rolling out over a three-year span, which you will go more in-depth in. But um, I know a lot of people are rejoicing on Twitter, Um, some more of the uh, old-school-minded folks as happy i um am neutral i of course would put myself in the old school category um but there's not really a point of crying over spilt milk or being upset about this because at the end of the day we are going to have basketball whether it's basketball with a shot clock or without a shot clock it just so happens to be with a shot clock i would much rather see that than what i've seen over the past couple months which is no basketball whatsoever so any type of hoops coming forward is going to be exciting, and uh, I don't know how much this is going to change things. Uh, I think it might change things just a little bit, um, but with that being said, uh, big changes coming over the next three years, and I know you got it broken down uh, year by year of what the GHSA is going to try and implement. Yes, so the proposal as approved today by the GHSA meeting, it's a three-year implementation plan to, I guess, give schools time to purchase shot clocks and get uh, the right people trained on them, let the officials get trained on its usage. But so in year one, which will be this upcoming season, 2020 to 2021, shot clocks will only be allowed in holiday tournaments and showcases. They will not be allowed in any sort of officially sanctioned region or non-region games or state tournaments, nothing like that. In the next season, which will be 2021-2022, again, shot clocks will be allowed in the holiday tournaments and showcase games. And each region can decide on a region-by-region basis whether they want it in their region, if they're ready for it or not. And then the following season, which will be 2022 to 2023, we will have full implementation of the shot clock in the GHSA. Every varsity high school basketball game in the state of Georgia will have a shot clock, and that will also include state playoff games. So at that point, it becomes mandatory. And Kyle, it is a 30-second shot clock. Yes, a 30-second shot clock. Um... And there's a lot of questions as far as manpower, finances, uh, how it'll affect games. Um, even someone brought up, will this affect transfers? Uh, a lot of very interesting discussions. So, um, you know, who is this going to affect the most? It's not going to affect media like us. It's going to affect the coaches and it's going to affect the players. So that's why we have a jam-packed episode today 
where we went out and interviewed six high school coaches throughout the state of Georgia, uh, trying to get a rapid reaction on how they feel about it. And um, they were all asked seven questions, um, which just differing, you know, differing questions, just different things of, you know, are you for or against it? Do you think this is going to benefit players? Um, is there more pressure on a coach now that they have a shot clock involved? So a lot of different questions, uh, and we're going to break this down. Um, each question, uh, we're going to have each coach answer it, and they're going to introduce themselves. But I uh, want to thank the following coaches who took time out of their day uh, to give us uh, you know, a little bit of an insight into their mindset of how things are going to change for them as a coach and for a program. Um, we had Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys head coach, Gil Davis, South Paulding boys head coach, um, Chris Wade, former boys head coach at Tift County, uh, James Gribben, a first-year head coach at Villarica on the girls' side, Mark Veal, uh, boys head coach at LaGrange, and a state championship winning head coach at Lanier, Tim Slater on the girls' side. So um, just a lot of different voices because on Twitter, it, it sometimes it feels like there's just one um, – there's one narrative being said, and we need the shot clock. We need the shot clock. We need the shot clock. Um, just picked up the phone with these uh, six folks. Um, didn't really know how they felt on the, the topic, but it is interesting to hear how some of them, they're, they're for it. Um, maybe one or two are somewhat against it, but um, it, at the end of the day, they mostly think it's pretty good for the game. Um, but the, uh, the narrative that it was needed, we needed this, it, you know, some some of these coaches bring up some really good, interesting points as to it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it wasn't like Georgia high school basketball was completely in the gutter. And we, we desperately needed the shot clock. We did not need the shot clock. We got the shot clock. Things are going to be good. I don't know if it's going to make the game that much better, but just very interesting to hear from these six coaches. Um, so with that being said, um, we're going to dive right into it and in the order you're going to hear each question and we'll introduce it as they go it's going to be eric blair gil davis chris wade james gribben mark veal then tim slater seven questions each going down each question very interesting stuff uh, a lot of stuff that you don't see on twitter and you don't see in the media of uh, potential pitfalls and potential benefits that we'll see down the road over the next three years so with that being said here is coach eric blair are you for or against having a shot clock in the GHSA? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain, boys. I'm for it, and uh, I think that the pros outweigh the cons. I mean, I like to play fast. I'm an offensive guy. I believe that's, you know, a fun brand of basketball to watch when you're maximizing possessions and, and getting up and down. But I say that at the same time as I know in my heart that four corners and time and score basketball helped us win basketball games this year. Uh, one of my assistants was Coach George Parides, who spent a long time as a head college coach, and he was a huge proponent of four corners and really teaching kids to understand time and score and how to take care of that basketball when you had a lead. And so I, I have much respect for that brand of basketball, and I understand what all it teaches kids. But at the end of the day, I just feel in my heart, you know, the shot clock in Georgia is the way to go. Coach Gil Davis, South Polding Boys. 
I am for the shot clock. I think it is best for um, kids that are hoping to play for the next, hoping to play at the next level. I think that um, it gets them more ready as a player, um, gets their mentality ready for that. And I think um, as far as a coach goes, um, you know, it allows um, good coaches to strategize and all that to, um, you know, have a better opportunity to maybe succeed. So I'm all for it, definitely for the kids. I think it's best for the players that are trying to go to the next level. Former Tiff County head coach Chris Wade. Well, Kyle, I'm I'm a little indifferent actually. I I, I don't I'm not opposed to the shot clock, but I don't think it's a, a necessity like a lot of people are out there arguing. Um, I don't see uh, the reasoning behind uh, wanting the shot clock. Uh, I don't see many of those as being valid. I don't think uh, it is necessarily going to improve the game. I think in some aspects it could actually make the game worse, depending on how. Uh, the coaches handle, you know, coaching under a shot clock uh, rule. So uh, at the same time, I wouldn't be opposed to coaching with a shot clock. So uh, I really don't have an opinion uh, whether I want it or don't want it. Uh, my biggest concern is the reasoning behind why we're pushing for it so much. And are we considering what's best uh, for our players and for the game? Are we considering what's best for uh, the adults and the coaches in the situation, and, and that's uh, and that's my only concern is is where uh, do our motives lie, and, and what uh, and who's benefit from it? Are, are the players benefiting, or are the adults benefiting? Are you for or against the GHSA having a shot clock, Coach James Gribben, Villarica Girls? I'm for it. I think it's going to make a more exciting product. I think I'm all for a fast-paced game without the shot clock. Sometimes you get into lows where you're, where you're on defense for 60 seconds, 90 seconds at a time sometimes. So I'm, I'm for the shot clock. Head coach Mark Veal, LaGrange Boys. Yeah, I um, I understand some of the uh, drawbacks within the shot clock with expense and everything. And, you know, how we do things at school, you know, can make you know, the games longer, um, you know, like we do for JB, then you got the girls and the boys games. So, you know, particularly on a Tuesday night can make the games longer. But um, my opinion was that I was for it. And I think one of the things I saw today was, um, you know, p possibly having like a JB official run the clock. And that way they could get trained and kind of work their way up. And um, that that's that's how I would be for is, is, is what I voiced is, as long as we had uh, someone trained or an official running it that I was for it. I just didn't want, you know, just like anybody running the shot clock that wasn't trained or anything because um, I can see a lot of problems with that. But as long as we have somebody qualified running it, I'm for it. Head coach Tim Slater, Lanier Girls. Uh, I'm all for anything that's going to help kids to prepare for a you know, the next level. Uh, and obviously, you know, that's that's the goal of any good high school coach who cares about his kids and cares about them getting where – you know, they're playing at the next level. And so for me, I think it's just something else that that helps prepare them, get them gets them ready. Um, in addition, I think it's great for, you know, 
teams that want to play stall ball, teams that are going to try to hold the ball extended periods of time. That's, you know, that's obviously nothing that's good for the game. So I think it's going to be good. I think strategy is going to come into play a lot more. Um, you know, late game situation with clock and score is going to be, you know, it, obviously increasing the value of coaching. Um, and so I'm all for that, making me a better coach, making me have to coach better at the end of games. So I, I think it's overall it's a good thing for our game, and I think it's a good thing to, to kind of progress and get our kids better and ready for that next level. How will it affect how you coach, if at all? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys. Uh, I think it will have a big impact on, on how I coach, especially in the quarter, in the half into game type situations. I mean, you know, my first two years at Alpharetta, we played fast. I don't know how often the shot clock um, would have actually come into play. My first year at Kennesaw Mountain, difference type team, we ran a lot of late games for corners. We played very, very slow and methodical when we needed to. I thought it helped us win games and hold on down the stretch. Um, obviously, with the shot clock, we're going to have to come up with ways to execute and score the ball or get to the foul line um, prior to the 30-second shot clock, late game, end of half, end of quarter. How will it affect how you coach, if at all? Coach Gil Davis, South Paulding Boys. It'll definitely affect how you, how you coach the game, especially uh, first on offense. You know, you, everybody's going to run their sets, their primary sets or whatever, but, you know, you need to – know how much time you're trying to run that set for. Then when it gets down to a certain number, um, you know, what set you might want to run to get a quick shot off or things like that. So offensively, it's definitely going to affect, like, how long you're looking for looks. And then, like, you know, what's your, what's your um, one or two looks at the end of a clock. Defensively, for me, as a defensive-minded guy, you know, looking at 30-second shot clock, um, you know, are you going to get token pressure, you know, like a one two two like the college game has done this past year? try to just shade a little time. Are you going to mix defenses in, like multiple defenses in a possession? I think those are definitely things that right off the top of my head I think of. But um, I think definitely for all coaches, especially myself, that it's definitely going to affect the way that um, we go into a game and what we're thinking about running or, or doing. Former Tiff County Boys head coach Chris Wade. Well, I think obviously um, there's some be some strategical uh, changes that you have to make depending on what your previous philosophy was. I think one of the one of the arguments that everybody's making is that it will speed the game up and it will, um, you know, create a different pace. And I don't know how many games people watch in Georgia high school, but there's, there's a lack of pace in the issue. So uh, I think uh, from my standpoint, uh, what it would change is, is we would have to kind of uh, late game uh, lead situations. We would have to learn to – you know, to, to manage the clock and still get a good shot off uh, within the shot clock as opposed to, you know, basically being able to force the other team to foul or uh, to get so spread out that we were able to get layup off of it. So that would be, I think, the biggest change is how we handle leads late in the game uh, would, would definitely change. I don't think in the course of a game there's going to be very many times where uh, it comes into effect uh, offensively, uh, most teams aren't taking 30 seconds to shoot again unless they're uh, in a big lead late or if they're hugely uh, in a disadvantage talent-wise. Uh, so, you know, I think from our standpoint, we would probably uh, change a little defensively uh, if we had to as far as ball pressure. But other than that, uh, I think this late 
late game situations and end of half situations, end of quarter situations, any time where we might hold on to a lead for a minute or so at the end of a quarter, half, whatever the case may be, now we'll have to learn to handle those situations uh, a lot differently as well as the, the two-for-one aspect of it uh, that comes into play. But I think those are the biggest changes that we would make. Philarica girls head coach, James Gribben. Well, it's certainly going to lend to more of the chess game. You have an opportunity to shorten the clock on your defensive end for opponent's offense, but it also brings in two-for-one situations. It brings in a lot of different things that you're going to have to step back and evaluate about your offense and your defense and uh, how it measures against the clock. But uh, overall, um, I think it affects me minimally because I want to play fast pace anyway. Head boys basketball coach, Mark Veal, LaGrange. Well, it'll it's going to definitely impact how we coach. Um, you know, motion offense is going to be harder to run. Um, you know, then if you get press, like a zone press, it's going to take time off the clock. Uh, more possessions. You know, typically, you know, teams, they get, if they have a lead at the end of the game, you know, I know we've, we hold the ball, you know, and we, we may hold it for two minutes if we need to. So, you know, that strategy's gone now. So, <laughs> um, I've been in places where that, that can help us, you know, where we hold the ball at the end, but, you know, it's also hurt us too because we're, if we're behind and we're trying to check and foul and, and get back in it. So, it, it'll definitely impact us. Head coach Tim Slater, Linear Girls. Uh, honestly, I think our, my coaching style kind of lends itself to a shot clock. You know, we're we're a team that likes to get into a soft press and that likes to, you know, try to work the clock a little bit as it is, as far as just giving you opportunities to earn that 10 second count in the backcourt to potentially turn it over in the backcourt. So for us, it, it lends itself to now you only have 30 seconds. So if I can burn those first 10 and now you have to come down and, you know, face us in our, our matchup zone that we're famous for, you know, in 20 seconds and try to figure that out. I, I honestly think it helps me. It helps our style of play and who we are, kind of our DNA. Um, you know, I definitely think it's going to be neat to see just how, the, the rules are going to play as far as when it resets, you know, if it resets on certain things. Um, and then, of course, you know, just how it influences the end of quarters and the end of games. Um, so I think that's going to be really big, you know, coaches now, high school coaches having to think about the two-for-one. Um, you know, should we take a quick shot here in order to get a second possession at the end of a quarter or a half? So I, I'm pretty excited about it, um, but I think – what we do lends itself to a shot clock and, and, and the shot clock becomes our ally being such a, you know, a primarily half court matchup zone team. It, it really helps us to, to, to have an ally where you're not just going to be able to hold the ball. If you know, you're up by a few and just sit out there and, you know, it, it, it lets us really play our style. I think even better. Um, so I'm excited about it. Do you think it'll take long for your players to adjust to the shot clock? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys. I, I do not think it'll take long for players to adjust. I mean, honestly, I would love to know the percentage of possessions that went longer than, than 30 seconds um, in your average high school basketball game. Again, I go back to in the quarter, in the half into game type situations last four minutes uh, in particular. But I feel like that the coaches in our state, you know, they're going to do a good job 
in practice to make sure they're working on those situations. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I do not think that the kids will have a problem getting used to the shot clock. Coach Gil Davis, South Polling Boys. Yes and no. I think offensively, yes, it will. Defensively, no, it won't. It doesn't really change your mindset on defense. Um, you're playing. You should be playing as hard as you can. You know, doing whatever the goal is on that defensive play. You might call. So I mean, I don't think the amount of seconds really affect your defensive mindset on how you do that. Um, offensively, definitely. I mean, I think that you know, the kids that like to sit there and hold the ball, um, or you know, try to you know make too many dribbles or things like that. Like that stuff's going to have to kind of somewhat go away. But I, mean, I think that's actually good for basketball, um, where the ball's not sticking. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely it's going to make some. It's going to take some time for adjustments for some kids on offense, but defensively not so much. Do you think it will take long for players to adjust? Former Tiff County boys head coach Chris Wade. No, not really. I think it will. I think there will be a learning process um, in in situations that arise because of the shot clock. Again, two for one, uh, end of quarters, end of halves, those types of situations. But I think during the, the course of a game very seldom uh, are we in a even in a shot clock violation situation currently um so i don't think there'll be a big adjustment i think uh, you know there, there's going to be one or two ways people are either gonna you know kind of go to the virginia route and if they want to slow the pace down they're gonna run clock run clock run clock and then run a quick hitter or, or something towards the end or if a team that's not trying to use clock gets forced into using clock and, and by a good defensive team, then late in the clock, they're going to have to go into some ISO or high ball screen or something. So, um, which most people do anyway. So I think it's just going to be a matter of, you know, coaches explaining to players, all right, we get to this, whatever their time is in the shot clock, this is what we're going to. Um, and I don't think that'll be a big adjustment. Uh, for guys uh, defensively, you know, it won't be, I think the biggest adjustment defensively will be not to foul late in the shot clock. You know, once you get a team down under five, then, you know, we would probably implement some kind of, you know, no foul rule if possible. It's not always possible, but, you know, things like that. But I don't think there'll be a huge adjustment uh, on the kids' part because, again, I don't think it's going to come into play uh, that often during the course of a game. Coach James Gribben, Villa Rica girls. No, I don't think so. I think that I think the kids are are open to new things, just the same way we are. And I think that uh, that they've played enough basketball by the time they get to us that that's just another step in the learning curve for them. Head coach Mark Veal, the Grange boys. Yeah, and I think it's going to take. Um, coaches some time to adjust um you know one idea that you know i'm sitting here thinking about today is how we have our uh showcase or uh, toyota classic that we host every year around christmas we're getting our new gym and you know we'll have shot clock access and everything so it may be good for us to go ahead and do a trial run um in the build-up so I think players and coaches, it's going to take some time to adjust to because um, most of us are just used to you know playing with, with without a shot clock. Head coach Tim Slater, Lanier Girls. 
I think like anything, there'll be a learning curve, but I think we underestimate the, the volume of basketball that our kids are watching, uh, particularly our high-level kids, our kids that want to play at that next level. Um, you know, in our program, that's one of our core tenets is we want kids that want to play at the next level and we want to push kids to that next level. And so they're seeing games with shot clocks. They're understanding how it's influencing the game and how it's influ- influencing decisions that are being made by players on the court. So for, for me, I think there will be a learning curve, particularly early, early on. But I think it's something that kids are already cognizant of. It's not such a foreign idea that, you know, it's going to be so difficult to wrap their minds around. I think it's really just going to be more of a practical application. And once they've kind of determined how to practically apply it, I think it's really going to enhance our game. Do you think a shot clock will benefit the players as they move on to the next level? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys. I believe that it definitely will help the kids who are fortunate enough to get to go play at the next level. I mean, I just don't see how you can argue against that, at least from the standpoint of just recognizing the clock and, and, and time and score situations and and just the familiarity, I mean, I, I don't see how anybody could argue that it couldn't benefit because exposure is exposure. So they're going to be exposed to the shot clock uh, several years prior to, you know, stepping on a college campus. Coach Gil Davis, South Pauling Boys. I definitely, I mean, it has to. I mean, so, yeah, what I was trying to say definitely will help um, because kids that have, played prior to this and never really understood the shot clock situation and things like that. But from now on, um, they will, they'll have an idea. They'll be practiced. I mean, coached how to practice it. They will be um, taught how to handle certain situations within it. So I think it actually is going to help um, the college game in a way, maybe not D1, but like that D2 NAIA level. I think it's really going to help those levels as far as getting kids from all levels that have just, been used to playing this way. So I think it's nothing but nothing but good for the high school kids because when they get up there, the transition will be that much easier. Former Tiff County boys head coach, Chris Wade. No, not really. I don't think that, uh, number one, you know, just as, as high school coaches, when kids come to us from middle school programs, um, very seldom are we depending on what they were taught in middle school uh, to carry over into high school. For the most part, we're going to, we're going to teach them everything we expect from them from top to bottom, offensively, defensively, special situations, uh, on the floor, off the floor, in the locker room. Uh, so, you know, when we send the kid to a college, they're not expecting that kid to be able to handle shot clock situations. They're not expecting that kid to be able to know what to do uh, defensively or offensively at the end of the shot clock because unless it's the same exact philosophy that they are going to do, it's not going to benefit them anyway. So we have a certain shot clock, uh, end of shot clock offense. All right. Well, our kid goes to PJ, for example, goes to Virginia Tech. Well, unless it's the same one, then he's going to be retaught all that anyway. Uh, same thing defensively. Some people may, you know, run at the ball handle in the shot clock or do certain things defensively under five seconds, six seconds, whatever their time frame is. Well, if that's not the same philosophy that um, the college team they go to is using, it's not going to benefit them. So I can assure you that college coaches are going to they're going to teach their guys top to bottom what they expect of them in every aspect of the game. Um, so I don't, you know, personally, I don't think it gives 
uh, our kids and the families now they have a shot clock over any other kid. I've never known a coach to say, well, coach, I'm sorry. You know, we're not going to take PJ because we got this other kid to play with a shot clock. I mean, that, that's, that's never happened in 25 years of coaching. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's going to benefit them at the next level at all. Head coach James Gribben, Villarica Girls. Absolutely. They're already going to know about the shot clock. They're already going to have experience with it. And it's going to give coaches at the, at the next level an opportunity to evaluate players who and how they react to that situation. When the shot clock's winding down, you're going to see more, more crunch time shots going up. And that killer mentality amongst different players, whether or not it, it comes out. Do you think it will benefit players preparing for the next level? Head boys basketball coach, Mark Veal, LaGrange. No doubt. they got to play for shot clock, and um, for some of them it takes a while to adjust you know, when they get into college. But you know, if you're used to it at the high school level, you know, they're, they're going to run right into it, and they'll be ready. You know, other states do it too, so this is, this is definitely going to help kids that have aspirations of going on and playing you know, college basketball. Head coach Tim Slater, Lanier Girls. I would hope so. I think that it's really on us as an organization and, and as coaches, you know, and, and our coaches associations to really push for rule changes uh, and, and the way games are being called and officiated and, and regulated to mirror the college game, which is the next step for our players. And so I would hope that they, that it would. Um, and I think that, you know, just knowing the individuals that really pushed for it, and how it was put together, the presentation was put together and, and what they what their goal was and why they were doing what they were doing, I think ultimately it will have the desired result. Uh, and I think, like I said, I think it's going to be really, really good for our game long term. Will a shot clock limit the amount of upsets we see each year if the thought process is that the more talented teams will always have a greater advantage? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain. Uh, you know, right off the bat, it's hard for me to understand that argument at all because, I mean, are we sitting here and saying that most of the the, the upsets that happen in the state of Georgia are due to the other team holding the basketball and going for corners and, 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 you know, minimizing possessions. I'm just telling you that's easier said than done. And I know that I've had, you know, I've been upset in my career and I've had a few upsets along the way that, you know, I'm proud of, but I can't sit here and tell you that any of those upsets had to do with the fact that we held the basketball, you know, obviously all high school teams with a lead late game are going to make sure they take care of that thing and get the, get to the free throw line or get a layup, you know, that's, that's just, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are when you're winning the game late game. Yeah. That's, that's the strategy. So I would say, no, I feel like, um, it's not, I mean, I've had teams where I felt like, you know, going into the state playoffs this year, second round against Burkmar. I mean, we were pretty good in four corners. We worked on it. We were going to try to slow it down, minimize possessions. Uh, they still sped us up, turned us over and we're a better basketball team. I don't think the shot clock would have made a difference there. We were still going to get beat by 40. Coach Gil Davis, South Paulding boys. I mean, I think that that idea is, um, I mean, I understand why it's asked, but here's, I mean, here's the deal of late. Like in the 80s and 90s, 
I would agree with you that it would 100% change. But you don't see the stall game used as much in 2020 as you did like 20, 30 years ago. I do think that, um, you know, it does come up in games. But I think for the most part, it, it's not really going to affect it. I think, you could, you know, there's two ways to look at it. If a team's being upset or they're down, like, are they going to press more? Offensively, if they if they have a clock that they have to get a shot off by, if they're struggling on offense, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I mean, I understand the question, and could it affect it? I mean, well, anything can affect anything. So yes, it could affect potential upsets, but I think also upsets might be helped by a shot clock where teams might be struggling or just having an off night. So I think ultimately, you know, as they say, the basketball gods weigh things out. I think at the end of the day, it, it won't really affect things majorly. Um, yes. Some nights maybe, but some nights no. So I, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the ultimate answer is it won't it won't affect it that much. Former Tiff County Boys head coach Chris Wade. Yes, I think it will. I think you know, just by sheer talent difference, uh, shortening possessions gives the team with the most talent uh, a bigger advantage. I think it allows. Uh, bigger, more athletic, more talented teams to to play uh, a more uh, zone approach and forces lesser, smaller teams to end up having to take a bad shot that they wouldn't have to take without a shot clock. Uh, you know, I go back to our our 17 state championship and many of those games late. You know, we we had leads, we pulled it out, teams chased us around. We went to free throw line. I mean, Norcross in the finals. We go to the free throw line and make free throws and, and win. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't like that. But but my argument would be that uh, you, you, you can't have it both ways. I mean, JHSA has done very little about the obvious recruiting and, and guys moving all over the place. And, and, you know, rappers and AU teams putting whole teams at certain schools. None of that's addressed. But then the one thing that – that other schools have that can equal the playing field now has been taken away. So, you know, I don't have a problem with shot clock. Like I said before, I'm good coaching with it or without it. But I think we need to we need to consider what's best for kids that are involved. I mean, there's kids on these other teams getting their brains beat in, uh, sometimes by kids that have moved from their school. And and the one thing you can do to neutralize that is is run clock, keep the ball away from them, get a lead, try to sit on it. Um, and I just think that that's something that we should consider or should have considered. I guess it's too late now before, um, you know, before we made this decision. Will a shot clock limit the amount of upsets we see each year if the thought process is that the more talented teams will have a greater advantage? Head coach James Gribben, Dillerica Girls. Well, sure, sure, it'll win it. I mean, I think it's big. But uh, I don't think that there's so many teams in Georgia right now that try to take the air out of it too often. So will they limit teams from upsetting other ones? Yeah, but minimal. Head coach Mark Veal, the Grange Boys. Well, possibly. Um, I can see that argument being made, but you know, then you look at college basketball and, you know, March Madness, um, you know, tournament play. I mean, there, there's upsets all the time and shot clocks used. So, 
um, I can understand the you know fear of not you know seeing upsets and stuff along those lines. But you know, if it's happening in college and you know maybe even the pros, I mean, you know, we'll still see upsets and the underdogs win at the high school level too. I think. Head coach Tim Slater, Lanier Girls. Well, I really think there's two sides of this coin that we really have to evaluate. I think the first side is really the easiest side. and I, I agree with your statement. I do think there will be less upsets. I think the, the team that's better on paper will be able to, you know, have a set number of possessions. And, you know, you're not going to have a team that's going to be able to just hold the ball at half court or pass it around in four corners. So I do think those types of games are going to be eliminated. But I'd also be interested to know just how many possessions, you know, in a non-shot clock year – actually went over 30 seconds and so I don't know that it's going to have as big of an impact on the day-to-day as we would expect just because I don't know that there's as many games that are currently being impacted possession by possession by possessions greater than 30 seconds I think the other side of the coin is kind of the ugly side that people maybe don't want to hear about or talk about would be now if I'm that one superstar player that's on an average to mediocre team and now I'm going to have a shot clock where teams are going to really be able to deny me for 30 seconds and I'm not going to be involved are we going to see an increase in transfers are we going to see an increase of super teams teams conglomerating so that they're playing with other players that have to be guarded straight up rather than just that one kid so the question I have is, yes, I think teams that are better on paper are going to win more and there will be less upsets. But I'm more concerned about how the shot clock might influence how those teams are built on paper because I do think it could really influence uh, the amount of transfers and the, and, the, and the conglomeration of talent that we're really seeing in these later years here in the GHSA. Does having a shot clock take pressure off of a coach of having to make in-game adjustments? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question is, you know, I would tell you, and this just based off my experience, that, you know, you go zone in a high school basketball game with no shot clock and you're losing that basketball game. Uh, eventually you're going to have to go man to man or you got to press or speed them up or do something. You just can't. You, you can't use, like, you want, you want to be a man-to-man guy and you're getting beat. And you say, oh, coach, we can't guard a man. Let's go zone. Well, how are you going to go zone when you're down 10 in the fourth? You see what I'm saying? So I feel like if I was a big-time zone guy, I would be a little bit more excited about the shot clock. Um, but, again, yeah, those, those type of adjustments are going to have to be made. But, you know, I got a lot of respect for – all the guys and, and and women that do this in the state of Georgia, I got a feeling they're going to figure that out. And uh, um, the same as, as how we have learned to win and make adjustments uh, without the shot clock. Coach Gil Davis, South Paulding Boys. I think it does take a lot of pressure off. Um, I mean, I'm a matchup zone guy, but I mean, I, we run multiple defenses. But I think that um, – you know, sometimes when you are down eight in the fourth quarter or, um, you know, whatever the scenario might be, and people want to start stalling because they want to get you in man-to-man matchups and things like that, I think it will help. I think it will definitely, um, you know, help you be able to dictate the situation a little bit more on defense than, than normal. Um, and I think that's one of the things I do like about it from the coach's standpoint. But I think that, yes, it takes a lot off the coach as far as, not having to worry about what your number one defense is that night, 
regardless of score, if it's somewhat close. So, so I think that um, it does take a lot of pressure off the coach. Does having a shot clock take the pressure off of a coach of having to make in-game adjustments, such as coming out of a zone defensively? Former Tiff County boys head coach, Chris Wade. Yes, I think it does. It does that, and it, and it, it can also force some other adjustments to have to be made. But I think the biggest, as you alluded to, is, you know, now when a team has a lead uh, or doesn't have a lead, excuse me, and the other team is running clock, they can only run 30 seconds. And, and it allows the team to stay that wherever their base defense may be, if it is a zone, it'll allow them to stay in it and still be comfortable what they're doing as opposed to if you get down 10 or so and a team chooses to run clock, forces you into extend your zone or go man something that you're probably not as comfortable with, then uh, you're at even more of a disadvantage. So uh, I think it, I think it will, um, it will enable teams to stick to what they, they want to do defensively uh, a lot more now than it would have done you know, in the past, uh, because they have the clock as a, as an extra defender on their side. Head coach James Gribben, Villarica Girls. I don't think so. I think that you're going to put your kids in the best situation possible for them to be successful. That's what coaching's about, really. Uh, and if, if you're playing a zone, if, if you're not wanting to come out of that zone, then don't come out of it. Uh, that, that's how I feel about it. The shot clock is when it's a situation down the stretch where maybe you have to do something that you're not as comfortable with. That's not going to change how we do it now. If I was a zone team and we got down big, we got to come out and start putting a little more pressure on those team. Head coach Mark Veal, LaGrange Boys. Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, you know, basketball is a game of matchups, and, you know, some coaches are dead set on man to man. You got some that are set on zone, and you. You, know, you got some that they just, you know, adjust to you know what they have. So I mean, it it, it may. I will have to see. Will adding a shot clock be as easy as it sounds, both financially and when considering manpower? Coach Eric Blair, Kennesaw Mountain Boys. You know, I can speak for Kennesaw Mountain, and at Kennesaw Mountain, we were or are in the process of trying to figure out how we're going to get our scoreboards replaced in our main gym and our ox gym. Um, our school has been open 20, 21 years. I think we got the original scoreboards up there. So that was a, that was a project that we already had on the table. And then, you know, adding the shot clocks in, obviously we're excited about it, but at the same time we are trying to figure out how financially we're going to be able to make that work. And, I think any high school basketball coach would tell you that it is really hard to find somebody to keep your book and your score and your scoreboard year in or year out. The ones who have somebody, you know, I tip my hat to them and obviously got much respect for that person or persons that's doing that. But adding that responsibility is, is going to be just, you know, it's not easy, but I think high school coaches are used to that. I think once we get past the initial cost, the training, get the familiarity up then. Um, but no, in the beginning, uh, again, just speaking for Kennesaw Mountain, it, it will not be as easy as as it sounds. <laughs> Gil Davis, South Paulding Boys. I think ultimately nobody really knows the answer to that question. 
Um, I think ultimately the manpower is going to come down to they're probably just going to give an extra ref at the games through Georgia High School Association that will, you know, each school have to pay or whatnot. And um, they're going to run the shot clock. To me, that makes the most sense. It's an impartial person. Um, they work for the state. Um, so they should be able to do that and nobody have any concern about, you know, where their, you know, where their um, allegiance lies, so to speak. Um, as far as the, um, the finances, I, I, I think that's going to come down to per county, per school, per et cetera. Like, are the, you know, the athletic funds supposed to cover it or the program supposed to cover it? I think that's one thing that's going to come up. I mean, come open in like the next couple months or a year and to let us know like what the expectation is for that. So there's no way to answer the finance thing, but I think the manpower needs to be a, an extra referee from an association. I think that, um, that just makes the most sense. I think that, that that allows every school to have that off of them. It allows every school involved in the game to know that whoever's running that shot clock has the best interest of both teams. So I think that that's the best answer um, for manpower, and I think finances will just work itself out over time. Former Tiff County boys head coach Chris Wade. No, it's going to be it's going to be a very difficult task for especially um, the, the lower level schools who don't have. You know, they don't have the faculty. They may not have the support. Uh, they definitely, in most cases, don't have the funding uh, to be able to not only install it, to maintain it, to pay people to run it. And uh, it, it's going to be a big undertaking in South Georgia, you know, where most of your double-A, single-A schools uh, are at. And then even even more so than that, you're going to have, from my perspective, I think one of the biggest issues is going to be uh, not only training the person on the clock, but training referees to referee that clock. Uh, that's just another thing that they're going to have to be trained on and held accountable for. Um, so just just implementing the clock itself is a, is a tall task. But then once it does get implemented, then, you know, somebody to run it, train referees to, to referee to it, uh, and all that stuff is going to be a, a whole nother undertaking uh, in and of itself. So, uh, it's going to be a big deal. Um, you know, I know for sure in South Georgia, I've already had a lot of people reach out to me with concerns of, of how they're going to pay for it, how they're going to operate it, how they're going to fund it, and that type of thing. So it, it's going to be a quite an undertaking for a lot of programs, uh, you know, in not only in the South, but I think across the state. And, and, and we've, we've gotten to this mindset in basketball that, that we have um, basically – you know, a couple of groups of, or a couple of areas, I guess, of the state that dictate what everybody does in basketball. And, and that's, that's not a healthy thing. Our, our job is, as educators and leaders and, uh, of kids is to do what's best for all the kids in the state and not just for a couple of different areas. And I think we're going to end up putting a lot of administrations and a lot of kids, uh, in a disadvantage, um, you know, when we have to start implementing this all over the state. Will adding a shot clock be as easy as it sounds when you take into account finances and manpower? Head coach James Gribben, Villarica Girls. I think the GHSA is, is doing a good thing by giving schools time. For those ones that have went ahead and planned holiday tournaments, they might feel differently about it. But at least they're giving us a year to try to come up with the money to be able to install this sort of thing. Manpower, I think, is a lesser is a lesser uh, problem because we have people who run our clocks anyway. 
it wouldn't be too hard to just kind of explain those rules to to somebody that you feel is capable of making those decisions during a game. Uh, but the finances, the finance and the shot clock, it's going to be a concern for a lot of schools in Georgia, I think. Head coach Mark Veal, LaGrange Boys. Well, for us at LaGrange, um, it will be fairly easy because um, with our new facility, we, we have shot clocks put in. Uh, the only extra expense that we're going to have is you know the manpower, so who's going to run it? So for us, I think it's, it's fairly easy, and maybe for other schools it will be too. You know, however, there's, there's other schools that, that don't have a shot clock um, at all, so they have to purchase and go through the finances of that. And, and, you know, I, just, I think it's the way around the state. It's, it's getting expensive to have high school games. You know, I don't know if we need to you know, charge extra in terms of attendance you know, to help out with that way. But, you know, hopefully that you know, when all this stuff subsides with the COVID and everything, that we'll, we'll get back to normal and get back to some things that, you know, the way it used to be, hopefully. Head coach Tim Slater, Lanier Girls. I mean, obviously finances uh, are, are going to be an issue as far as the initial outlay, the initial capital outlay to, to get the physical shot clocks. But I think, you know, aggregate over time, that's not really going to be as expensive as people are anticipating. I think the the more worrisome burden is going to be how and who is going to be operating the shot clock. Is it going to be, you know, just an individual that's a volunteer from the school? Well, if that's the case, you know, kind of like the scoreboard operator who's stereotypically a volunteer, you know, is, is are they going to be as accurate as they could be from gym to gym or, you know, is it going to really influence the game as far as whether the shot clock is accurately being run and accurately being, you know, assessed by that individual or are we going to have another official added to the crew? You know, are we going to have a fourth official added to the high school crew, which is a shot clock official? And the question then becomes, okay, A, we already have a shortage of officials. B, is that going to increase the cost of having the official? Um, but is that cost worth it? to ensure that we have shot clock integrity. I mean, for me personally, I would say that would be the route I would want to take. I would much rather pay for an extra official every night and know that the shot clock is accurate that as we come to the end of quarters and as we come to the end of the game that it's being done correctly. Um, but I do think that's going to be something that's going to have to be really kind of discussed and, and really handled appropriately so that it does not become even more of a financial burden, uh, you know, in the high school games simply because, I mean, we don't have limitless funds. So I think that's something that is really going to have to be addressed by the powers that be. Kyle, I know that was long, but we got some great insight from our six coaches in the state of Georgia who were kind of making this happen. And I know we spoke about this in the intro a bit, but to me, one of the things that really stuck out to me um, was how this was able to come together. It really felt like I heard a lot of this come out from Twitter and there was a strong proponent, a strong little cadre of coaches on Twitter who really wanted to make this happen and they took it all the way up to the GHSA, wrote up the proposals, got it through the subcommittees and committees and went through the proper steps to make it happen. And I think it's it's a really interesting thing to look at of how, you know, maybe it wasn't in discussion in every high school across the state. You didn't hear about it when you're out watching these games, but you, you really heard about it on Twitter and it kind of shows what a dedicated group you know, a, perhaps a small group that's not doesn't involve every coach in the state, but what a dedicated and vocal group can achieve. 
Yeah, the uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and uh, that wheel wanted that grease, and they got their shot clock. And uh, I mean, it, I guess it can only benefit. It's I don't think it's going to hurt the game at all. So it's it's either neutral or slightly better. So. You know, I don't think it's going to make a, a a huge impact, but it is interesting to see, um, you know, how how vocal and how important it can be to be on social media. We see it in not just sports, but in in life with a lot of movements and a lot of stuff going on across the world. Uh, social media and media in general, uh, if you're loud enough, you can get your point across. And uh, the GHSA was forced to listen. Um, they brought. Tom Creenan to the, uh, the the meeting today. I don't really know what he has to do with Georgia high school basketball, um, but he was there and, you know, he was just, uh, you know, a, a college figure to say, hey, uh, look, GHSA, we have college coaches that are backing what we are doing. They support the movement. And um, I guess give credit to the GHSA uh, for, uh, I don't want to say giving in, but just being able to listen and adapt and grow with these coaches uh, that want the best for the game of basketball. Now it's it's up to them to see how do we make this feasible for schools down from class 1A public that have 300 kids only. And there's, you know, some of these schools don't have a ton of fan support and don't have a ton of income and revenue to be, uh, you know, just splurging on these shot clocks and everything. That's up to the GHSA, the school districts and the school boards. And that's up for them to decide now. Um, but just to see that the GHSA is – you know, once was classified as old dinosaurs that were set in their ways. That's that's not the case. It's uh, you know, as as proven today, the 23rd of June, um, they are willing to listen and they are willing to change. So I think that's a good thing overall for the state of Georgia, not just for basketball, but eventually for all sports as well. Well, and one more thing I was thinking about. We kind of touched on it in the intro. I was sitting here thinking about it, and you know. Could this paradoxically slow down the game? And I know, you know, the speeding up the game isn't the only reason why coaches wanted the shot clock. It's one of many reasons, depending on who you speak with. But I wonder if you have that view up in the corner. You know, you know, you have 30 seconds, and using some quick back of napkin calculations in an eight-minute quarter, if you used your full 30 seconds on each possession, that's 16 possessions, which I don't have any data in front of me, but I would guess is a lot fewer than what the average number of possessions per quarter is now without a shot clock. So I wonder if it won't cause some teams to slow down, try to move the ball more and really take some more time because I mean, we hear stories and we've talked about it on this podcast, even from some state playoff games you've been to Kyle, where some teams and coaches hold the ball for two or three minutes. But I wonder how prevalent that is beyond anecdote, you know, beyond does that make up a significant portion of of time or how many possessions really go over 30 seconds naturally? Yeah, and some of our coaches, as you as you heard uh, prior to this, uh, they touched on just that. They would love to know, okay, now actually what percentage of possessions are over 30 seconds? You know, I mean, of course you're going to have a couple games here and there, but to be screaming, um, as one coach put it, uh, this isn't 30, 40 years ago where everyone was playing um, four corners and holding the ball. Like, y- you might see that once or twice in a season it, it, it's just not uh prevalent like you said it's it's you know at some levels different levels you you might see it but i just don't think it's um you know was affecting all these games like when we were screaming for this shot clock to happen like every single game was everyone was holding the ball at half court and making it super slow that's just not really um 
from all the games I've seen, and I've seen a lot of games over five years, it's just not really um, something that pops up all that often. You might see it once a season as far as me covering games. You might see it once a season as far as a team really trying to slow things down or run the clock out, but it, it's just not really that big of a factor in a, in a game-to-game uh, basis now if you're a team that has a, a bunch of transfers that come in and a bunch of five-star guys every single year well maybe you might see it more often when you're playing uh, teams that don't have a ton of talent and that's they're you know traditionally limiting possessions limiting the amount of possessions that the the better team on paper has um, is your best bet of winning uh, I could see how they see it a little bit, but is that same team doing that same stalling tactic when they're playing another team that you know is 500 or below and is homegrown talent? Probably not. I don't. I wouldn't think so. If if there's a level playing field as far as the talent on the court, I wouldn't think coaches have to go to that type of tactic. But when you build super teams and you have a ton of talent and you know you're the you're the top one or two percent of the state, it's easy to forget. Well, there's 98 percent of the rest of the state that isn't doing what you're doing, and they don't have that luxury of just rolling guys out there and playing like that. So um, that's just something to think about. It, it might affect you once or twice here and there, but you know if if you're you're bringing in a lot of talent you know people have to coach differently against you that that's just how it is and i just think that's something that um needs to be in thought process it's not always a one side of an argument there's always going to be two sides no one's ever going to be 100 percent right or 100 percent wrong uh and that's why we had this podcast just to open up this dialogue and discussion it doesn't really matter now we're having the shot clock so i mean you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's a moot point. You know, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll with the shot clock now. But, it, 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 you know, it, it's too far gone to, you know, try to convince the GHSA otherwise, which I don't think it would be a, a huge concern of people trying to blow back on this. But it, it, it is that that interesting other side of the coin that sometimes gets shouted down upon on Twitter if you're not all for the the quote-unquote progression of the game so just some food for thought of um there's a reason and a causation behind uh you know each each action and why everything plays out of how it plays out yeah i mean as you said it's a purely academic argument but i'm a numbers guy i like to see numbers and as i said i don't think we have an an average or a histogram or a a very easy way without someone going through game film and with a stop clock, a stopwatch on the other hand, counting the length of possessions. But I'd be interested to see if they actually get shortened or if they increase the time on each possession. I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever have that data, but it's just food for thought. Um, and so on behalf of that, Kyle, I think we've spoken enough. This podcast has gone long enough. And so on behalf of Kyle, this is Ramin signing off.